today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. God rules over all and overrules all. There's no chance. Could you imagine? Something happens by chance, and here's God going, when did that happen? God is all-knowing. God is all-present. God is all-powerful. You know what that means? That means God is (laughs) all-knowing, God is all-present, and God is all-powerful. Nothing happens without it first passing through His sovereign hands. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Ecclesiastes. God is sitting on the throne. In today's message from Pastor J.D., he teaches you that God is completely sovereign. Nothing can happen to you within your life that God didn't foresee. He knows everything. The Lord promises to use all things in your life according to His purposes and for your good. Trust that He has you. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in Ecclesiastes chapter 9 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. All things, verse 2, come alike to all. One event happens to the righteous and the wicked, to the good, the clean, and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. As is the good, so is the sinner, he who takes an oath, as he who fears an oath. Oh my goodness. In other words, <laughs> it's all the same in the end. It doesn't matter. Saint or sinner, it doesn't matter. It's all the same in the end. Of course, Solomon, you're going to come to this conclusion. Because you've, you've said, God, you stay over there. I don't want you involved in this. And because God is not involved in this, of course you're going to come to this conclusion. I was thinking about this today. You know how it is that we're all prone to do this. We look at the sinner, we look at the the unbeliever, and there's something within us that looks down on them with almost a disdain, expecting them to act like they're saved. That's not right. I mean, they're not regenerated. They don't have the Holy Spirit. They've not been born again of the Holy Spirit. So where do we get off on (laughs) expecting them to act like anything else other than... And think about this. I think about what Paul wrote to the Corinthians. What were you like before you got saved? Oh, think about that one. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) of course you were like that. Of course you thought like that. Of course you acted like that. Of course you came to conclusions like this. You don't have the Lord. You don't have the Lord. You know, sometimes we will say things like, man, I just don't know how people who don't have the Lord do it. They just, this is how they do it. These are the kind of conclusions and, and creeds they live their lives by. Most, it doesn't matter. 
I look at the, the professing Christian and I look at the, I mean the carnal sinner that comes as sinful as they come and it all, in the end it's all the same. What's the point? Well he goes on verse 3, he says, this is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that one thing happens to all. Truly the hearts of the sons of men are full of evil. Madness is in their hearts while they live, and after that they go to the dead. Oh my goodness, I mean how, <laughs> he's basically saying, you know, everybody lives their lives, and then they die. What's that saying we have? Two things you can be sure of, taxes and death. Doesn't that just, you know, isn't that just perky? Everybody pays taxes and everybody dies. That's what basically Solomon is saying, minus the taxes I guess, but you know, it's, we're all going to die. Have a nice afternoon, have a nice evening. We're all going to die. That's, that's the, the end of it all. And I suppose in all fairness he's, he's right in the sense that, and in so much that, that that's the destiny of every single one of us. The writer of Hebrews again says that it is appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. But what Solomon is saying here is, death is not only the destiny of everyone, but it's also the great equalizer. It levels the playing field, as it were. Death is no respecter of persons. And that's true. Verse 4, but for him who is joined to all the living, there is hope. Oh, there is. Oh, thank God there's hope. And then he says this, for a living dog is better than a dead lion. What? Okay, let's, let's uh, take a moment on this one. So you got door number one and door number two. Behind door number one is is a dead lion. Behind door number two is a living dog. What do you want? What's behind door number one or door number two? Did someone say door number three? That's not in here. You can't do that. That's not right. There is no third door. Wish there was. Door number one, door number two. A dead lion or a living. And by the way, as far as the dog, and listen, <laughs> I have a dog the most adorable dog you've ever seen. And I know you think that about your dog. That's fine. You can think that. But that's not what, the, what Solomon's talking about here. Not a cute, cuddly, you know, adorable, you know, dog. No, this is a wild dog. You know the, the ones they show, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm being too graphic here, <laughs> traumatizing it, but Picture a dog, patches of hair just ripped out, teeth going all over the place, and all bust up. And I mean, that, that's the kind of, but it's at least alive. Now, which one do you want? The dead lion or <laughs> the dog? <laughs> I don't want that dog. Well, it's living. That's what Solomon's saying. The living dog's better. And here's why. Where there's life, there's always hope. Where there's life, there's always hope. Doubtless you've heard the 
saying that you can only live so many days without food, you can only live so many days without water, but you can only live so many seconds without hope. There's always hope. Where there's life, there's always hope. You know, life can get hard. Depression and despair, discouragement can give way to depression and despair. And what is that basically? It's hopelessness. But there's always hope. There's always hope. Where there is life, there's always hope. Verse 5, for the living know (laughs) that they will die. True. But the dead know nothing. Not so fast. We'll come back to that. And they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Also, verse 6, their love, their hatred, and their envy have now perished. Nevermore will they have a share in anything done under the sun. Solomon is as wrong as the day is long. Because what he's saying here is that when you die, that's it. That's how it ends. There's nothing after life, after death. Death is the end. You're remembered no more. Everything goes to the grave with you. Problem. Luke's Gospel, chapter 16. Arguably, one of the most, if not the most chilling passages of Scripture from the mouth of the Savior Himself. And the reason I say that that way is because Jesus makes it very clear in no uncertain terms that hell is forever a place of eternal torment. Heaven is real, so is hell. Hell is real, and hell is for eternity. He talks about in Luke 16, this rich man who had died, and he was in Hades being tormented. And you get the impression that it is a very hot place, because he is begging for just some relief from the unbearable heat. And he's also close in proximity there in Hades, because prior to the resurrection, paradise was in where the area of Hades was, but there was a separation between the two. You had Abraham's bosom, where Lazarus was, this man named Lazarus, And then you had Hades, this place of torment, where this rich man was. So this rich man is pleading with Abraham, please. And Jesus says he begged Abraham to get word to his loved ones who were still alive, so they would not come to this place he was in. And what does Jesus say? This is why it's so chilling. He said, they have Moses and the prophets. And 
if they're not going to listen to Moses and the prophets, then they're not going to listen to someone who comes back from the dead to tell them. What's the point? Point is, hell is a real place. And I know that there have been those recently, in recent years, that have written books. These are well-known leaders within the Christian community, pastors, sadly, that have written books and started teaching falsely that hell is not forever. It's not for eternity. And it's really the false teaching of annihilationism. I hope I'm saying that word right. I never went to cemetery. I mean seminary, so I... Sorry, I need to be careful. Um, the question I would have, and I, I don't mean to offer an oversimplification, but in my simple way of thinking, the question has to be asked and answered. Okay, let's just say for purpose of discussion that hell is not forever. Then why, pray tell, did Jesus come? Why? You, you would have to go through large swaths of Scripture and either rewrite it or, God forbid, rip it out of your Bibles. Let's just take the most well-known, famous verse in all of the Bible. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish in hell for all eternity, but have everlasting life in heaven for all eternity. Now that doesn't work now. Uh, what am I saved from? Annihilation? What am I being saved from? If hell isn't forever, why did Jesus come? And you can single-handedly refute this false teaching, which is very dangerous by the way, because if you think about it, and you'll forgive me for the crass way that I, I communicate this, but you gut out the gospel. The gospel is good news of salvation. And, and you, you defang, if I can say it that way, the gospel. Because now, what are you going to say to somebody? Hey, Jesus died for your sins, and, and if you'll believe in Him, you'll be saved. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, call upon Him, you will be saved. Here's the sinner going, well, you know what? Hey, if I die, and that's it, and then... I'm, I'm gone. That's, I'm cool with that. Now let's, let's say it the right way. Jesus came. It's not God's will that any should perish. I like how one said it. If anyone goes to hell, they do so over Christ's dead and resurrected body. God never sends anybody to hell. They send themselves there. And by the way, hell was not created for man. It was created for the devil and the demons, the fallen angels that were cast out of heaven. That's what hell was created for. Heaven was created for man. God created man to spend eternity with Him. God did not create hell for man. So now when I'm sharing the gospel, witnessing to somebody, 
How much more powerful is it when I say to them that you're either going to spend eternity in hell or eternity in heaven? Now I've got your attention, don't I? Well, that's a game changer, isn't it? You better believe it is. Wait a minute. You're saying that there's coming a time when I'll take my last breath here and my first breath in eternity, and there's no in between, by the way. <laughs> there's no purgatory. There's no, what do they call those other, uh, anyway. There's no such place. There's no in between. It's either hell or heaven. We're talking about eternal life and eternal death. Key word, eternal. And if you say there is no hell for all eternity, you have. that. I would even venture to say, and again you'll forgive me for saying it this way, that is dangerously close to blasphemy. That is dangerously close to blasphemy. Verse 7, now Solomon has come to this faulty <laughs> conclusion. You live, you only go around once, and then you die. Now here's what he's going to say to do. And it makes sense if, if that's how you believe. He says, go, eat your bread with joy, and drink your wine with a merry heart. For God has already accepted your works. Let your garments always be white, and let your head lack no oil. Live joyfully with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life. Wow. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel, Solomon. You know, just live, live it up. Live your miserable life, because that's what it is. That's what he's going to say all the days of your vain life, which He has given you under the sun, all your days are vanity, meaningless, emptiness. For that is the portion in life, and in the labor which you perform under the sun, whatever your hands find to do, do it with your might. For there's no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave, where you're going. You might as well just live it up now, because where you're going, it's over. It's game over. That's all there is. And here again, this is the creed of the lost. This is the natural conclusion. Live it up while you can. This is all there is. Might as well. <laughs> what, what was that? I'm, I'm sorry to use a old beer commercial. I'm sorry to use an old commercial, let alone a beer commercial, but I, I want to say it was, oh this is going to be bad if I know the name of the beer. <laughs> I think it was Schlitz. Come on, can I just have somebody bear witness with me here so I don't feel so carnally alone? <laughs> you remember Schlitz beer? They probably don't have it anymore. It was, I think it was Schlitz beer. It was a Schlitz beer commercial. Just go for the gusto in life. In other words, it was this motto this creed. This is all there is. You might as well drink it up, live it up, the gusto. Okay, I, I just totally, uh, <laughs> I, I hope I didn't lose, lose you on that one. Especially now, because verse 11 is really interesting. He says, I returned and saw 
under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to men of understanding, nor favor to men of skill, but time and chance happen to them all. For man also does not know his time, like fish taken in a cruel net, like birds caught in a snare, so the sons of men are snared in an evil time when it falls suddenly upon them. Wow. In other words, we are just at the whim of fate. You would think that the, the swift, oh, that's, that's the winner of the race. The race is, is absolutely going to go to the swift. And that battle always goes to the strong. So I'm saying, no, no, it doesn't. There's no rhyme or reason. Here's someone swift. Here's someone strong. And yet theirs is not the race. Theirs is not the battle. Here's someone wise. Theirs is not the bread. The fool gets the bread that the wise should have got. The slower wins the race that the swift should have won. The weaker wins the battle that the strong should have won. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, the the outcome is just flip the coin up in the air. Doesn't matter. Heads or tails. It's all chance. It's all, I'm going to use this word very carefully, and you'll see why in a moment. It's all luck. We don't use luck in our home, because luck comes from Lucifer. It's all luck. It's all chance. No, not in God's economy. Because see, God determines the outcome. The outcome is in God's hands. God rules over all and overrules all. There's no chance. Could you imagine? Something happens by chance, and here's God going, when did that happen? God is all-knowing. God is all-present. God is all-powerful. You know what that means? That means God is all-knowing, God is all-present, and God is all-powerful. Nothing happens without it first passing through His sovereign hands. Well, that's even worse, Pastor, because now you're telling me that God allowed the weaker to win the battle that should have gone to the strong. That's not fair. (laughs) How does that make any sense? That's not right. Well, wait a minute. You're questioning the ways and the whys of God? God is sovereign. God is just. God is fair. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. The book of Ecclesiastes can seem daunting at first, but once you understand the heart behind the writer, it becomes inspiring. And who doesn't need to be inspired in their walk with Jesus every now and then? As you read through the book of Ecclesiastes, be encouraged to evaluate your life and the things you hold close to your heart. If you find the material things are closer to your heart than Jesus, be still before the Lord and ask Him to draw nearer to you. He's faithful and He'll meet you where you're at. If you haven't yet found a home church, we'd like to encourage you to make that a priority. 
You were never meant to do life alone. If you're ever in or near the Kaneohe area, you're always welcome to visit us. You can join us for a time of worship at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find out more and get directions at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. While you're there, be sure to check out Pastor J.D.'s additional teachings, as well as his Mideast Prophecy Updates, an accurate look at what the Bible has to say about this time in our world. You can also find Pastor J.D.'s ABCs of Salvation there, a great way to share the simplicity of the gospel message with friends and family. That's all available at our website. Again, that's in spiritandtruthradio.com. That's all we have for today, but thanks for tuning in to spend this time with us. Join Pastor J.D. next time to learn more from Ecclesiastes right here on In Spirit and Truth.